0: The Sports Bar with Danger and Viteglia. Bills
2: 27, Patriots 21. But how fun
1: is this? Buffalo at Miami for the division.
2: For the AFC East Division crown in South Florida. And it's going to be for the
0: number two seed in the AFC. Sunday night football. I'm going to Miami. Josh has done great against Miami. McDermott seems to have the way to neutralize Tyreek Hill. What a great comeback that would be and a great story. If we can go into Miami and win it. Touchdown Miami! There's team it Are almost revolutionary.
1: Mike Danger, you're in the sports bar with Danger and Battaglia, back from our long holiday break, and also happy New Year to you and yours. The uh,
0: calendar flips to 2024. Gene Battaglia, this is it for Buffalo. There are no excuses now. You have this division within your sights. This should be the AFC East now for the Buffalo Bills, hands down. So it'll be Washington and Michigan for the national championship. We crack in a three
3: nothing win over
0: Vegas at the Winter Classic. Here we are! Let's go! 95-7 FM and AM 950 the fan.
1: Rochester. Well, well, well. Good afternoon. Welcome on into the sports bar. Pull up a stool and join us. It's Danger Metaglier. Glad you're with us listening along, however you may be doing so locally at 957 FM. AM 950. The Fan Rochester sounds its best in the free-to-download Odyssey app. We've got the video stream up at The Fan Rochester on YouTube and on Twitch as well. And you can get us on your smart device when you ask it to play. 95.7 The Fan. I'm Danger. That's Pataglia. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, buddy.
0: How are you? What's the statute of limitations for Happy New Year? Do you give the rest of the week? I think so. I think if you haven't seen anybody for like a week, I think a week is good. A, a week? week? A week is good.
1: Yeah, I'm saying Friday. Friday's my deadline. Friday is the cutoff. And if I haven't talked to you by Friday, you probably don't deserve a happy new year. Some people will extend it to the middle of the month. And that just tells you they don't reach out to you enough. You're not that close to that person. Happy new year, Friday deadline. <laughs>
0: Buddy, I need you to uh, carry me today here. If you can tell, no way. We're back, we're back to 2019 here, where like, hey, we work when we're, we're under the weather here. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you're battling symptoms.
1: You're not COVID. No, I'm not COVID. But but you, you know, so many of us during the holidays battled symptoms, colds are flu. It's the season. It's the season for. Symptoms, and if you think I'm going to carry you, that's where you're wrong. Because right out of the gate, I would like to say I'm just happy that uh, Gene Rockefeller decided to show up today after claiming the unsanctioned crown in Survivor football and in in Guillotine uh, fantasy football. An unbelievable season was had.
0: By Gene Batagley Were you pulling for me or Brian? Brian. Yeah, yeah, I figured. Brian. All day. Brian from East
1: Tilton was sending me direct messages going, here we go. It's me and Gino. He told me everything. He told me everything that was going on. He said, look, I, you know, my brother thinks I should have him
0: split the winnings. So I get a DM from Brian. Now, we've all been in this position, right? If you've got a pot that's worth something, all right, do, we, do, you, when, do you want to split this or not? And Previously, I was in that position. I said, no. But I know Brian. He's got kids. So he sends me this, just a screenshot of what his brother said. Hey, you should offer Gene 50-50. No. I'm like, that's what? What's funny? Is that 50-50? Or just calling it all off of that. Like, look, I'll do 75-25 <laughs> if <laughs> you want. Nego-
1: Gene, the sales guy, the negotiator. We got to get a better wow. deal. <laughs>
0: then, then Brian <laughs> hits me back with my own quote. What you say on the show, hedgers are losers. Yeah. We're going all in. That's right and you so smoked Brian, them. I CD Lamb smoked them. Yeah. Oh, that was relaxing yeah. to watch. That. Well,
1: uh the the third person who was remaining, uh Commissioner Tim, who's taken over the unsanctioned for us, uh was was the third person and he was he was texting me worried because he had Diggs and Diggs yep. as we're going to talk about here this afternoon in the sports bar if you haven't noticed, I don't know if you've seen, Diggs's production is down.
0: <laughs> and
1: he was worried and sure enough Diggs was part of the reason why he was eliminated heading into last weekend's action, leaving you and Brian from East Tilton,
0: And you picked up Diggs and you started Diggs. It was either Diggs or Puka Nakua. And Nakua's having a great year. I get that. I just thought... Hey, Diggs is due. He's, due. He's way overdue. Sure. Oh, and by the way, if Josh Allen throws the ball again, it's not an easy pass, but if he hits him, uh that's an 80-yard touchdown and made the right call. No, um Thank you. It, 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 the, if you have a chance to get into a guillotine league, do it. It's a different strategy. It's a different way of looking at fantasy football. And I like how you you mentioned you called it survivor. That's essentially what it is. It's it's survive in advance here, but just in a in fantasy fantasy, terms. right? Yeah. You,
1: you're if you're unfamiliar with guillotine fantasy football, your goal every week is to not finish in last place, to not have the lowest total points scored. If you do, you get chopped from the league. And your entire roster goes to the waiver wire for free agent bidding to begin and and other teams can scoop up those players. So imagine a world where in week one, your team is the lowest scoring team, but you happen to have Christian McCaffrey. Well, then Christian McCaffrey is a free agent going into week two. It's just a different layer of excitement and strategy and enthusiasm. I give you credit. I I don't I've never made it I don't even know that I've ever made it into maybe I made it into December last year
0: but you got it all you you finished it out yeah there's a few phases on this because I my advice to anybody don't spend your money week one or week two. You need to save that money for the buys when you're okay. But conversely, others would say by investing early on a free agent
1: acquisition, you get more bang for your buck, longer term value on that person. If you like, let's say a J Brown was available week one and you invested, you know, 30% of your budget on a J Brown and you get production out of a J Brown for a good chunk of the season. That's a
0: value. True, but there's gonna be guys every week that are going up. So you just have to kind of rely on seeing the value when it's there. And then when you get in a pickle, that you know, then you can outbid somebody. That's that's how it ended up for me here. And when it gets to the end, it's like okay, we're playing two all star teams here basically. That's it. Yeah, that's it.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned CD Lamb, and that was the guy that was carrying me through the majority of the season. I had C D Lamb and C D Lamb did very well for me until I think those bye weeks caught up to me, and that, that was what led to my demise in the unsanctioned this year. But Gino, uh, where's the crowd? Now, please, just tell me that you're not going to be insufferable about this. I I don't want you around here peacocking. I I don't want you. We don't have to dedicate a segment now during football season about guillotine football now that you've won it, right?
0: No, we could just look at my resume, like when it comes to March (laughs) Madness or when it comes to guillotine, when it comes to survive in advance. Now, survive in advance, it's getting a little Al Davis-ish. You know, I want to get back on the board for that. I mean, the last one was 2015. Mm It's too long ago. (laughs) Um, and I, I, by the way, Commissioner Tim, I, I graciously accept your offer. He wants to come down and present me with the PR op yeah. phony check. Yeah, he wanted like, to get. Absolutely.
1: We we had our uh, annual goomball lunch. I don't know if I talk about my the guys in my neighborhood every year. Let me talk about those guys ever, my neighborhood guys.
0: I can only imagine what. The conversation is over uh, linguini there at the uh, we, we, well
1: one of the p- parts of the conversation is Commissioner Tim leaning over, it, Hey, you know what we should get? We should get a giant check and I'll stop by and we'll present it to Gene and he'll you know, <laughs> I'm like don't make this any worse than it already is, man. He's going to be insufferable for the next 12 months no, having they, this win on his presented resume.
0: like it should belong right here so everybody knows. We has have a this rule. No,
1: no, we don't have any external things hanging in the studio. We don't like clutter in these We studios. have a, an Amherst division banner over there. That We're not hanging a giant check in place of the Amherst division banner, Tino. You know? Yeah, we, we we had some plans, and and those plans didn't come to fruition. Maybe they will. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe he'll yeah, stop I, by and, and drop off a giant check. I don't, I don't expect him to do that. That would, that would fall on me. And I'm not really willing to go to a, a craft store and, and look for a giant prop check just to present it to you, to make your head
0: and your ego even more inflated than it already well, is. Well, to answer your question, will I be insufferable? Define insufferable. The answer I, is yes. Yeah, I, I will just every once in a while remind you. Yeah, the answer that, is you know, yes. Just kind of- and nobody cares when you're right, Gene. Nobody. All right, All right okay. With that being said, you... Way back when, said before the season. It's going to come down to week 18 for the division. Ta-da. Yeah. I'm not boasting
1: about that. I would have much rather. But in true Sean McDermott-era Bills fashion, nothing is easy. Nothing is easy with these guys. I mean, you want them to put some distance between themselves and everybody else. And I know there are a lot of people that view the Bills right now as the third best team in the league. You could make that argument. The third best team in the league might not make the postseason because nothing has been easy for these guys this year. It's the margin of error is just so razor thin, and it almost bit them again on Sunday. We don't. Even, we weren't here for the Chargers' reaction. I can't even imagine. Like th- the first quarter of that Chargers game felt catastrophic. What? How how is Easton stick beating this team? What is going on? But it does. It does come down to Sunday night, and everything has laid out and, and played its way into this scenario where despite all the shortcomings of this season, the Bills can still win the AFC East. They can be as high as a two seed when it's all said and done.
0: We did a show over the summer, and you talked about, all right, what should be the goal? What would satisfy you? And I said, Super Bowl. And you're like, nothing else? No. (laughs) Like there's no nuance to that? No. (laughs) So it's very fitting for me that in a year where I said it was all or nothing, this is the all or nothing scenario because I am not counting on the Ravens backups to win. I am not counting on Mike Vrabel. No. Go out there and beat a team that just got blown out by 40. That's your
1: that's your mission. It, can you do that? Don't worry about scoreboard watching. There were scoreboard watching happening on Sunday. It's like why? Why do you care about the outcome of Cincinnati and Kansas
0: City? Who cares? You, um, not to, no, not not in Buffalo. There weren't. Like McDermott ordered all scores down this yeah, week. Yeah, so. good. Like handle your business. Do what
1: you got to do. And what you got to do now is go in on Sunday night into Miami and beat a team that you've had success with. I don't think it's going to be easy. And I don't really know which direction I'm leaning right now because based on how they've played the last two weeks, it's really hard for me to see the Bills going into Miami and beating that team. Although Miami is beat up and there are some injuries that they're dealing with, there are still a lot of concerns. And, and we'll address those through the course of the week here in the Sports Bar. <laughs> what
0: am I looking
1: at this? Did you see
0: Jack's message to us on X? <laughs> is, that a, is that his real name? Yeah, it is his real name. Oh. Gene should be awarded a championship belt. Check out the lower right corner on the photos of our receiving department bulletin board. And they have a quote of the day. You're the quote of the day here in this office. No one cares when you're right. Mike. Danger. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: true. They only want to tell you when you're wrong. Nobody cares when you're right. I, I, I don't want people to say, hey, man, you've been saying it all along. Like, I don't I don't care. I'm not keeping score if i'm right fine i'm right but nobody is going to care and i don't need that validation it's like it it just felt as the season was starting and as we kind of evaluated what this team was from a roster standpoint what we saw at training camp and what we knew about miami last season and the trajectory that they were on everything felt like The Bills were going to be a little bit worse than they were last year, and the Dolphins are going to be a little bit better than they were last year. And if that's the case, then we're on a collision course for week 18.
0: But with the extent, it it was always a big story in this league when a 10-team win, a a 10-win team would not make the postseason. But then you figure, oh, those days are over with the expanded playoffs. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Nope. And and
1: the games that you you can look back on and be like, oh, well, that doesn't matter. Well, that didn't matter. No, the conference losses are a bitch. I mean, like the the losses to Cincinnati, the losses to Jacksonville, the conference losses. If that's the thing, like you can't take a single game for granted. Denver. You know, like oh, the Denver game. The Denver game is the one that that will, that was the one I, that put me over the edge. We
0: Denver put you over the edge, but the game in Foxborough, where you take the lead, and you are like, terrible. okay, oh, but then you are going to let Mac Jones drive terrible. the ball on Just your defense. Terrible.
1: I mean, I, I, I want New England almost feels like I should. You should assess more blame to Josh Allen, but it was Sean McDermott's defense that made Mac Jones look like Tom Brady for a series or two there as well. So yeah, those those conference losses. Being the reason if they if they don't make it, like, how do you how do you make you can't make any excuse? It's it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. The, the hope here, of course, go into Miami beat up on a team that Josh Allen has primarily owned through his career. But again, based on it's going to be compelling because based on what you've seen out of the bills the last two weeks, do you have confidence that they can go in there and play the way they looked against Dallas? That was just a few weeks ago, but it feels like forever
0: ago the way they've played the last two games. I have a lot of doubts. The Bills are the one team that can beat anybody, and they could lose anybody in this league. If they really are. For sure. Um, we're going get, to uh, get to our, our guest list here
1: of who we got stopping by the sports bar, including, man, you want to talk about time while we were off. Something that happened that, uh, <laughs> it's funny, when, when things were bad with the Sabres, when the Sabres gave up nine goals to, uh, to Columbus a few weeks ago. Nine times. You know, I was, and everybody was, the chants for fire Donnie were getting louder and louder. And then, of course, the the Sabres respond by dropping nine on the Maple Leafs. And we did this for coach. And, you know, we we were talking about, well, listen, be careful what you wish. Selfishly, I don't want them to move on from Don Granato because my fear is if they move on from Don Granato, they're going to promote the guy who's worked with these guys as much as anybody. And that's Seth Appert. I don't want to see Seth Appert leave Rochester. I know someday he's going to. But selfishly, I want him here as long as we can have him.
0: Well, funny, what happened? Yeah, funny thing happened. Don Granado, like many of us, under the weather to the point where he had to stay away. So there, I get the alert. I'm driving on the way, my way to Syracuse, watching Orange. Like, wait a second, Seth behind the bench tonight. They're promoting Seth. They didn't give one of the assistants in Buffalo. Danger that. To me, feels like a little trial run for Steph. So you're going to give. Him a you
1: call. can't help but speculate what was what what all is behind them. I mean, ultimately, if a guy is sick and you can't have him around the team, you can imagine what might be going on there. Nobody's saying it anymore, but everybody kind of knows. Oh, he's, maybe he's got COVID. Keep him away from the team. Let's not get this to spread throughout the team. And maybe some of the guys on the team have been playing through symptoms. But that aside. You can't help but at least use it as a data point. At minimum, it's a data point. At minimum, you could say, how did the team react with him behind the bench? What was the vibe like in the atmosphere, in the locker room, between periods, before the game, after the game, how have practice has been? And, you you know, in true Seth Appert-led team fashion, uh, you couldn't get the regulation win against the Blue Jackets. But you do get the W when it's all said and done, and then uh, we'll talk to him later this afternoon. What happened in, in Ottawa? I mean, they got shelled. Um, Seth Appert will be joining us not in his regular time on Tuesday. Usually, he joins us at four twenty five on Tuesday. We'll get him on for last call before we close up shop at six here in the sports bar.
0: We'll talk to Matt Perino, Syracuse Post Standard. Of course, he was at the Bills Patriots game, and he will be heading to Miami. Also, the Shout Podcast and give some insight here because uh, with Matt coming up at three twenty five. I think Diggs is going to be a story here for different reasons this week danger one being all right look at the production what has happened you could say well that's Joe Brady kind of you know making sure the ball is evenly distributed and I'll accept a portion of that but to me something really strange happened in Matt Bill's Patriot game that that nobody's really talking about and this is this it was the opening sequence the opening series of the second half he wasn't on the the field it, he wasn't you're you're going with Trent Shurfield over Steph Diggs why is that he was healthy as far as we know what I observed danger then the second series 10 players out there Diggs is the last one to come out and there's kind of fist bumps and you know handshakes and everything it, it wasn't it, it was almost like his offensive teammates were welcoming him back and I'm wondering if there's a little more to the story I'm sure there is
1: there has to be it makes no sense as to why you would have your your best player off the field for a series taking a series off um and look, we we will probably never really know. Maybe we will someday know what happened. Maybe we tied down on the case. Maybe we'll get one of his twenty five sources to tell us what really happened. You know, before that game or during halftime of that game that led to him not being out there for the first series of the second half. When you're fighting for your playoff life and you he gives you the best chance to win. That, that's the thing that drives me nuts. It's this this arrogance. Of the head coach. We, we talk about the assumption of rational coaching all the time, right? That's the first time I heard Sigmund Bloom from football, football Guys say that and explain the assumption of rational coaching in terms of how we view fantasy football and how we, we look to, you know, w- w- the assumption of rational coaching sa- says that if you draft B. John Robinson,
0: you're going to play, B. You're gonna John play coach, B. John Robinson,
1: yeah. but Arthur Smith is not a rational coach. And so B. John Robinson doesn't get the kind of usage you would expect a rational coach. How a rational coach would you him and you you see it with certainly with Sean Payton now in the case of Sean Payton and Russell Wilson you've got a really ugly ugly situation there and you start Jared Stidham and you get a win over a team that's being led by an interim head coach and Easton stick so you don't know if you get you know a brownie or cookie you know a cookie or brownie points for 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 making that decision it's an arrogant arrogant decision it's a my way or the highway I'm the alpha I'm the tough guy there's no it's 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 a author- It's too authoritative. I think in the world that we live in now, you do have to manage these egos, but you have to have relationships with these guys. And, you know, look, we don't believe that there's based on what we saw this off season. There, there can't be a great relationship between Sean McDermott other than a working relationship between Sean McDermott and Stefan Diggs. And maybe that's the way McDermott wants it. Fine. Maybe you have a player though, who wants more than that. And if it's your best player, I would say you might want not treat him differently, but you might want to give into that a little bit instead of go the opposite way and sit him down.
0: Don't know if that's what happened. We don't know. We don't know anything, but it, there's that question needs to be asked. Why wasn't he out there if he's healthy and ready to go?
1: Now, there's a follow-up to that that occurred yesterday. Tim Graham of the Athletic, um, and, and how it works on Bill's Zoom calls, media Zoom calls. Uh, they they go around the horn basically, and when it's your turn, they unmute you. You ask your question, and they you know they let you know like you're going to have this amount of time for a question, follow up, whatever. Uh, he asked the question about Diggs. McDermott gave his answer uh, about Diggs, and then it got kind of. Quiet on the call. I don't know if you saw the video. I think I think the video is out there. Like Tim might have even posted it himself. He wanted to ask a follow-up question on Diggs, but he was muted. Bill's PR muted him and then the call ended on his question about digs and i don't think it was a surprise sean mcdermott wasn't surprised to answer that question he answered it the way you would expect him to answer it the way he answers every question didn't give you anything he's got a big part of our team we certainly want to get him out there sometimes josh through his progressions doesn't you know he sees him first but he doesn't get get the ball to him whatever the case may be but what tim's follow-up was going to be like i wanted to know what that was maybe it's not a big deal and maybe we're making more out of it than needs to be made. But your observation and the observation of all the fans that were there to notice that it was Surefield out there to start the second half, not Diggs. What's up with that
0: in a game that is still very tight at that point. What are we doing? What's, what's going what on? What are we doing? Right.
1: Uh, well, maybe Matt Perino has some insight that he can share with us. Matt Perino covers a team for the Syracuse post standard. And as he does every Tuesday in the sports bar, he's going to join us next to talk some Buffalo bills here on the fan Rochester,
0: the fan.
2: and Rochester Sports
0: Update. Buffalo Bills are listed as three-point favorites for their game in Miami on Sunday. A win over the Dolphins, and the Bills will win the AFC East and be the two-seed. A loss coupled with wins by the Steelers and Jaguars, and the Bills would be out. Hey, Coach Sean McDermott giving his thoughts on the opponent. It's going to be a big challenge. They're well-coached. They have dynamic offensive players, dynamic defensive players,
3: and special teams, and um, they do a great job with the explosive plays on offense and they create big-time negative plays on defense. And um, like I said, this is going to be a big challenge for us.
0: Matt Perino, Syracuse Post-Standard, joining us next year in the Sports Bar. Don Granato returning to practice today for the Buffalo Sabres. Seth Appert, who filled in over the weekend. He's back with the Amerks. We'll talk to Seth coming up in the 5 o'clock hour today. Syracuse basketball tonight. Playing at Duke. Jim Taglin, the sports leader, 95.7 FM and AM 950, The Fan Rochester. Meet. Or on The Rocks, it's the Sports Bar with Dainter and Battaglia on the Sports Leader, 95.7 FM and AM 950 The Fan, Rochester.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you can take a certain amount, but then there's a certain amount you can't, right? So it's probably split down the middle, really. I mean, we have some new players that didn't play in that first game. And um, and so um, I, I just think it's uh, you learn a little bit from it, and then this game will take on its own identity and make it.
1: There's Bills head coach Sean McDermott. Yeah, these are two different teams from the first meeting earlier this season. The Bills traveling down to Miami for the AFC East. Talks Buffalo Bills football, covering the team for the Syracuse Post Standard. Host of the Shout Podcast, Matt Perino, stopping by on a Tuesday as he does throughout the course of the Bills season. Matt, hope you had a great holiday season, and now you got a trip to South Beach in your immediate future. we got a lot to get to after that win on Sunday, and, and everything that's gone on since then, and, and I know you were kind of like the spearhead of this line of questioning yesterday during the Zoom call with Sean McDermott what was the excuse for Steph Diggs and, and kind of like not necessarily the lack of production, more so the lack of usage? Him not being out there to start the second half is questionable, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it was weird. And then Joe Brady in, the, in his press conference said that he, uh, he basically alluded to there never being a third down where Stephon Diggs wasn't on the field. But uh, I haven't actually gone back. I, I'm, I'm hoping to get some time to do it later. But I do think that there was a third down, at least one where he wasn't on the field, but either way, I mean, you look at the, the the snap percentage that is just plummeted over the last three games. And it just, it, it feels like something's going on here, whether it's fundamentally with what they're doing um, or something's going on with the Stefan Dicks. and, you know, Sean McDermott basically left both of those doors open by saying that, you know, it, it, sometimes it's a personnel thing. Sometimes it's trying to get him, some rest in certain times. And sometimes they even go into the game with that kind of uh, mentality. Listen, I mean, I, I get it to a degree. Like I, I think Stefan Diggs is, you know, he's on the wrong side of 30. You know, you, you do want him to be as fresh as possible for the playoffs. And if that means getting him uh, a couple extra rest uh, during a game week, I get it. But these have been close games that you got to have at Games and his staff count. I mean, he was out snap last game by Khalil Shakir. And so, I don't know, it seems like they're saying all the right things and that you know they want to get him more involved in the offense all while not force-feeding him because I think that that is also not a great plan of attack, and we've seen how that's gone in years past. Um, but it's, it's a really bad time for just this cloud of doubt that's kind of like hanging over the offense going into a must-win game this week and then into the playoffs.
0: It, not surprising uh, to me, though, was hey they actually bench Von Miller here. Um, do you see a pathway for Miller to be active for the rest of the season here, Matt?
3: I mean, I do. I don't think he should be. Uh, I think you've seen everything that you need to see through nine games, and what was on the field on, against the Chargers was, you know, a complete fall back to what we saw in the early games. Like I think of Jacksonville um the giants game then the first patriots game like he had a a moment there in the fourth quarter against the chiefs where there was two impact plays that he made down the stretch which you know whether or not you think he should be on the field is is a completely other conversation and you know he spoke for the first time last week and i don't think anybody was super comfortable with you know how he kind of brushed off some of you know the things that were in that police report and And both the team and Von Miller have said now that, you know, you know, there's things that you read in articles and, you know, that's not true, but it's like, it's not stuff that was in articles. It was stuff that was in a police report and it was a nine one one phone call from Von's pregnant girlfriend, which he confirmed that she was pregnant. So, you know, I don't know for, from my perspective, he's not playing well enough to, to be on the field because, it's potentially taking away snaps from a guy like AJ F who you need on the field. And then there's that a whole other part of it. And I, and I get it like, you know, he, the team at this point I would imagine has done enough due diligence to where if they're putting him out there, they must feel comfortable with it. They are, and they probably have more information than we do. Um, but from a football perspective, yeah, I, I don't see an argument other than the fact that he's a captain and kind of just pushing him onto the field because of that.
1: Matt, I want to go back to the offense because the last two weeks don't look like they did. The offense doesn't look like it did when you were running the ball through Dallas. Um, And the one constant through this, whether you're talking about Brian Dable or Ken Dorsey or Joe Brady, it's still Sean McDermott's team. We know that head coaches in the NFL are control freaks. What is it? Is it is it a head coach that's meddling? Where he maybe doesn't need to be meddling? Is it uh, we don't want to show too much when we're trying to win these games and the way that we win these games? I mean, what what do you attribute the kind of like just the 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 the, the misstep? They're off a beat here the last two weeks.
3: So, I think it starts with in the passing game, Josh Allen hasn't just not been Josh Allen the last two games. I think that that's fair to say and for him to come off the field and talk about how bad he played and how poorly he threw the ball, like there's something going on there and like obviously, the shoulder's been something that's been an issue all season. He's remained on the injury report throughout the season um and now you add in this little stinger at the end of the game and you wonder how much that's going to. Um, affect his week of practice this week with first time we get a chance to see that is tomorrow. So we'll, we'll see where he's at. Everybody said he's good. So, you know, you, you got to take them at their word, <clears throat> but go back to that Cowboys game. And what was the team? Who was the team they were running against? The Cowboys who are one of the worst def- run defenses in the NFL and what they've played. Uh, the Chargers game was a little bit of a weird outlier. I think it was a short week traveling East to West coast, Against a really bad opponent that just changed head coaches. I think it was just a funky game. But the Patriots have one of the best run defenses in the league. So I think that they were trying to get the run game going. And over time, they just, you know, kind of were more comfortable settling for those three to four yards per carry. But that's a dangerous game to play, too. Um, you know, I thought, I haven't gone back and looked at the exact play action numbers in that game. But I think it was interesting that in, on the first play, um, Brady ran play action and Josh Allen got, um, sacked and it was, it looked very reminiscent of the the play on the first play the previous week against the Broncos. Um, and, and so I wonder if it was a situation where they didn't want to lean into that. And that's something that I think you have to do, especially against teams that defend the run. Well is you got to change it up. You got to give them different looks. And I don't know if, um, the bills ever kind of got comfortable offensively. And I think even Alan alluded to that after the game. So there's a lot going on right there. And I still think as good as it's looked at times under Brady, there's still an element to like, he's playing catch up. He has to be right. Like, I mean, there's only, um, you know, when you get tasked with taking over the whole operation, when you've had one singular job, like in the middle of the season, uh that's that's a challenge. So I think they're still dealing with some some elements of that.
0: Yeah, Matt Perino, uh Syracuse Post Standard, our guest here. Doesn't help, Matt, when uh right out of the gate, you're not even fifteen seconds into this game and you're down seven nothing. Uh you still can return a kickoff apparently in this league for a touchdown as the Patriots did. Um gosh, if you think of like the worst moments here of uh you know the season, well, go back to week one, a punt return or you know, the twelve men on the field there. The question here is about special teams, Matt. Should we expect some overhaul, <laughs> uh, whether that's the coach or the personnel or something like I, I, I don't need my special teams uh to win games. I just need them we've, not to we've lose them. We've already
1: identified our offseason yeah. fall guy for this team. <laughs> yeah,
3: I think um if if it was if it was my decision, Matthew Smiley would be would no longer be the, the special team coordinator. I think you could have made an argument for that after the um De- uh Denver game and they decided to, to let go of Ken Dorsey. And obviously that's worked um, that they, they, they have, a, they've only lost one game since. Um, I also wonder if they need to pivot away from this idea that they need these core special teams players, because you're paying Tyler Metakevich, Um, You know, there, there's a couple guys on that unit over the years that have been, uh, they've leaned on as captains and, guys that they've invested in a little bit more. I don't think you need to do that. I think you need to find, you know, they, they tend to develop special teamers pretty well anyway. Like think of Tyrell Dotson, Cam Lewis, undrafted guys that, you know, come in and, and find a way to, to make plays and, and play a role. Balen Specter, a late ground pick, guys like that. Although I think Balen Spector has been um, uh, one of the guys that I think hasn't had a great run of special teams play this season. Uh, so that they're going to have to make some some decisions, uh, especially at the coordinator spot, because it was such a easy transition from Farwell to Smiley, because Smiley had been on the staff for so long. But this is a significant dip back. I mean, they're bottom third in the in the league in DVOA uh, special teams, which if you took put all the three units together, that's the 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 one unit that's not holding. It's Wade, and it's a unit that under Farwell before Smiley was consistently top five in the NFL.
1: Matt, uh, let's uh, take a closer look at Miami, where they are heading into this game after just getting blown out by uh, the number one seed, by the Ravens. Um, Look, based on how the Bills have played the last two weeks, I'm not overly confident about their ability to go down to Miami and win week 18, but... Uh, we we have seen the Bills have their way with the Dolphins in one way, shape, or form. They they get wins, and Josh Allen has proven to be uh, th- this is proven to be a, a very positive matchup for Josh Allen. How do you see things here early in the week, lining up for the Bills here as they travel to South Beach? It's
3: funny, is like I feel like the last two weeks give you more confidence, or should give you more confidence, because even though they didn't play well for a lot of those two games, they still found ways to win, and that's a complete different story than we watched earlier in this season as they were playing down to competition, but then blowing games late uh, against the Patriots and the Broncos. So I think they're in a spot now going on the road against the Miami Dolphins team that they've just absolutely owned over the years um, since Josh Allen has arrived and they're banged up on defense. And the one area where the bills need to get right after the last couple of games is their passing game. And that's a, a defense right now. That's just not, it doesn't have enough horses to defend. And the, the thing about them that's tough is, like, you can run against them, uh, especially with who they're missing. And so I think James Cook is a guy in this game. Like, look, go back and watch that Ravens game. Justice Hill, um, Gus Edwards, they just feasted in the run and pass game. Like, this is the James Cook game if you've ever seen it. I think Stephon Diggs can get going. I know it's going to probably be shadow coverage by Jalen Ramsey. Uh, but whoever's on Eli Apple, who's going to probably play for Xavier Howard, that should be somebody that's also having some success in this game. But I don't think they have an answer for James Cook. And, you know, you saw what it could look like at its peak with uh, over 200 yards all purpose a couple weeks ago against the Cowboys. It's going to look a little bit different this week because I think they're going to use him maybe more in the passing game. Uh, but, yeah, I would get the ball in his hands as much as possible. I'd leave Latavius Murray on the bench. I might even consider making him a game day inactive and elevating Leonard Fournette off the practice squad and handing over the number two job uh, solely to Ty Johnson and letting, you know, Fournette come in on a a couple gotta-have-it passing downs where you want his pass blocking. But other than that, I I think Cook and Ty Johnson have done enough to be that one-two tandem at this point. And it feels like Sean McDermott Joe Brady are kind of, you know, leaning in that direction after Ty Johnson came back from the injury and had a really good fourth quarter the other night.
0: So, Matt, uh, what would help Buffalo and, I guess, Fans, you know, like going into that game, knowing, okay, you're in. You're just doing this to improve your seating. You maybe get a home game. What's the likelihood that either the Steelers or the Jaguars lose on Sunday or Saturday?
3: I mean, I think either of them could lose. I mean, you got to fire up Mike Vrabel at the podium today, um, talking about not wanting to end the season on a bad note. I know Will Levis is going to be something that you watch all week, but maybe Ryan Tannehill somehow. Uh, comes up with an Andy Dalton-like performance for the Bills and somehow finds a way to knock off the Jags. And you can kind of take a deep breath going into Sunday night football, play a little bit freer, but while still needing to win that game because you want that two seed. So that, that's the piece of it that doesn't matter to me, what happens with the first two games, because I, I think the Bills are going on down there on a mission. Like that is to go from six and six with your playoff odds at something like 19% at, at around that point to now, five weeks later, six weeks later, having a chance to play for two home playoff games on the road against a team that's absolutely beaten up and is flailing themselves. I mean, it's been a typical December for the Miami Dolphins. They're 2-2, and and exactly what they've kind of been the last couple of years. When things get hard, when the tape is out and the defense gets tougher, they tend to kind of regress. And so now... The Bills are, are going to this on an absolute heater, and I know it hasn't looked pretty the last two games, but it, I think inside that building, they take a lot of, they build a lot of confidence, take a lot of confidence from the fact that they were able to win those games despite not playing very well.
1: So, Matt, uh, I know that we've been digesting a steady drumbeat for the last few weeks of, hey, if there's a team you don't want to play in the postseason, it's the Buffalo Bills. We've been hearing it and hearing it maybe less so the last couple of weeks, but th- there are you know, a lot of people that believe that the Bills right now are deserving of that 2 seed, that they are the second-best team in the AFC and maybe the third-best team in the NFL. But I wanted to get your take on what you've seen out of the Ravens because right now that's the team that I would not want to face just based, even though they're beat up, even, even though that, you know, they've had some struggles in the postseason man, that looks like a physical, physical team that can have their way in, in the postseason.
3: You know, I love the matchup of Sean McDermott against Lamar um, for the bills, but to your point, they are very physical on both lines. I think their defensive line has been, you know, so good this year and they pivoted to, uh, you know, a couple years ago, a new defensive scheme. And you're starting to see the fruits of that labor. They've been one of the best defenses in football. And so to your point, I-, I think the Baltimore Ravens are the best team in the NFL right now. And so, you know, the bills of course, can have a claim to that at some point. And with the, if we're talking about just how it looks on paper and, you know, having Josh Allen and comparing Josh Allen and Lamar, we can have all those conversations but at the end of the day. The resume for the Ravens this year is, you know, uh, just unbelievable. So the team to me that now fits into what you were just talking about with the way that people were talking about the Bills the last month is the Browns, because I think the Browns are the team nobody wants to play. Like, Flacco's just playing with house money. He has not – he's been unflappable. Like, you know, and their defense is the best defense, I think, in the NFL. Um, Miles Garrett is, to me – the most unblockable pass rusher, but also like the most like impossible player to deal with because you could spend your whole week game planning for him and he could still wreck your game. So the Browns are to me, like the one good thing about the bills potentially winning the two seed is that they would most likely not have to face the Browns in the second round. You'd probably end up if you faced them at all, I'd make an argument that I think the Browns are, are a worse matchup for the Bills than the Ravens, as crazy as that might sound, but you might not have to play them until the AFC title game. If that were to be the case, and then it would be a home game. I mean, there's so many different scenarios that could play out in a super weird AFC year here as it is. And Oh, by the way, I know everybody's writing off the Kansas city chiefs, but I am just not there. Yeah. Like I, do I, I, it would not be crazy to me if they figure out a way to refine their identity down the street or into the playoffs for that offense.
0: But wouldn't it be fun to see them come to Buffalo? What for, with fans in the stands for for the first time since 2014, which in this Mahomes Allen era hasn't happened yet again with fans in the stands. Um, Last one for me, Matt, then it's a, player that I don't think we talk enough about. How did the Bills get Rasul Douglas there for a pick swap? I mean, I guess I maybe on the one hand, you don't normally get corners playing their best ball uh, when they're approaching age 30, but uh, the importance of that trade, I'm just wondering where the Bills might be here if they didn't pick up Douglas there at the deadline. I
3: mean, that's that's one of those kind of moves that I think that you'll look back on Brandon Bean's tenure as one of the pivotal moves, now of course they could not make the playoffs, and this year could be a waste. but if they go on a real run here, um you look back at a move like that and say, "Wow, for a guy that's like at times over the last twelve months taken quite a bit of hit heat for some of like you know the alleged misses in the draft and some bad free agent decisions, a lot of what he did last season into this season has come up." really, really nicely for the Bills, and you're also now seeing some guys that he's drafted develop. I mean, Terrell, where would the Bills' defense be without Terrell Bernard? I mean, you look at that that graphic that the Bills put out a couple days ago about his season. Uh, what was it? Uh, Six-plus sacks, three-plus picks, and three-plus fumble recoveries, and that's, that's more in one season than Tremaine Edmonds had in his entire Bills career. Yeah. And that's a guy that, like, We spent the entire summer talking about what in the world are the Bills doing. They've not addressed his position at all. They're banking on Terrell Bernard, and all he's done is made them look like geniuses. And, you know, uh, I think there's a lot of that. I think the Connor McGovern move, I've talked a lot about this on the podcast the last couple days. It's like you can't – he didn't have a a great game last week, so maybe this isn't the best time to say it. But look at his season compared to the top free agent – uh, at guard Ben powers in Denver powers giving up three sacks. I think he's given up 26 and a half pressures and McGovern's given up one sack and 15 pressures. And the bills are paying him like 6 million less per season. He was the fourth ranked guard in AAV on the free agent market. I mean, that is bang for your buck that I don't think is truly appreciated, especially considering what they had at the position last year in Saffold when he gave up, Forty-five pressures, which I think led the NFL.
1: Yeah, and and you know we don't spend enough time talking about the importance of that offensive line, the continuity that's come with them being healthy through through the entirety of the season. You mentioned Joe Flacco earlier. That to me is evidence that a, a good quarterback behind a really really good offensive line can still flourish. I mean, let's face it, Flacco's not putting up those numbers behind what the Jets were throwing out there last year.
3: No, so, without a doubt. And actually, if you look ahead and and you start to look at the off season, I know, and I'm in this bucket. Like, I think the bills should be aggressive getting their next wide receiver one. And if it's not wide receiver one right away, because you got another year of digs, then it's wide receiver one in waiting. And there's a bunch in this first round. And I think that might mean you take some draft capital and you get up in the first round. You don't think Kansas city is going to be, you know, making calls to try to get up to get one of these wide receivers after watching their group this year. I don't think you can let another Trent McDuffie situation happen where you get leapfrogged by another team that's wide receiver hungry. Different position, obviously. But you also have to start thinking about offensive line long-term, especially tackle long-term. Deion Dawkins isn't getting any younger. Spencer Brown's been really good. But I don't think you can bank on a guy after one season, after a couple of okay seasons, uh, at times even bad seasons, to be an answer there. So you're going to have some some decisions to be made, and I really think the draft, with the way this defense has played and how they found pieces, how they've melded it all together. I know a lot of people are talking about safety high up in the draft, maybe not a lot of people, but some people. I don't know if I'd go in that direction because the Bills historically under Sean and Brandon have done a good job at finding those um, undrafted, low-round draft picks and having them be depth. But also, I mean, go back to Hyde and Poyer. They were both guys that, you know, I think Poyer was a UDFA and Hyde was a late-round draft pick. You don't need to spend great capital to develop really good safeties. And I think that with the emphasis they put on their defensive line anyway and the fact that they're continuing to develop uh, along that, and you have Ed Oliver in your place, you have Greg Russo in place, we'll see what happens with the rest of them. Uh, I think you can go out and get somebody there. But tackle and wide receiver this offseason are at the top of my priority list.
0: We are talking Matt Perino, Syracuse Post Standard. Danger! I didn't tell you this story earlier, but uh, Ryan Talbot was at the game, and I am afraid I came off as big leaguing him because he came up to me during the time. Not like, you, no, you never do that. I, like I just, he's like he, Ryan comes up to me, and says, "Hey, uh, you know, I, I came up to you earlier and it was ready to say hello, but you were kind of in the zone." I am like, I didn't even realize Matt Day was there. I just Matt Day. Does I have,
1: Gene quick question? Does Gene give off "leave me alone" vibes on game day? Uh,
3: Listen, this is the best segment of this hit so far, uh, because I got a lot of thoughts. So here's the thing. Sometimes you walk by Gino in the press box, and that is just it. He looks just dialed in. Either dialed in, or he's just daydreaming about them putting out the lunch spread, because we're like about a half hour away from all the food coming out. It's one or the other. I can't ever tell which one, but he's got that look.
0: Could be both. Maybe, Matt. What are you? I'm um, Ryan. Working. When's the next uh, shoutcast uh, drop here?
3: All right. So we got four episodes this week. I'm dropping one here wow. as soon as I get done here. We're going to preview the games that could dictate the scenario for Sunday night. So I, I, I caught up with Mike Golick Jr. today. Ryan and I will talk a little bit about it. We'll have our staple show tomorrow. I believe I'll have Marcel Louis Jacques on Thursday nice. and then Friday will be our pre preview episode.
1: Matt, uh, great work as always. Let's catch up again uh next week and hopefully we're talking about the Bills advancing in the postseason.
3: Sounds good, boy. Take care. Yeah, that's
1: Matt Perino, Syracuse Post Standard, joining us here in the sports bar with the latest from Orchard Park.
0: Yeah. As uh he sounds optimistic. He thinks that Okay, these last two games maybe not, but the Bills can go down to Miami and uh, take care of their business. I thought it was also interesting too. Danger identifying the Browns being the one team. Yeah, yeah, it's true.
1: That that's that's strong. That's fair. Uh, You know, it's funny with Flacco back there doing what he's doing. It is an unbelievable story, but more than anything, it just puts an emphasis on just how important that offensive line is. Right? Like if you, so many bad teams. Bad teams. We just don't talk about offensive line play when we're talking generally about football. And it's everything. It's so important. The the Lamar wouldn't be who Lamar is without that offensive line. Josh Allen wouldn't be who he is without that offensive line. And furthermore, really good quarterbacks who struggle because they don't have that offensive line in front of them. It's it's so important. And Joe Flacco is just evidence. Uh, Imagine what the jets look like next year if it's aaron Rodgers behind that offensive line he's going to look terrible behind that offensive line
0: or joe flacco where it was previously it didn't look like anything and i think this is an important point to bring up on this day january 2nd because if you're a bill's fan you probably remember where you were and everything that what happened one year ago today and is it sacrilege for me to say that the comeback player of the year should be Joe Flacco?
1: Oh, I don't think that's sacrilege. And, and I think DeMar Hamlin, whereas you went into the season saying, oh, it's going to be DeMar Hamlin. It's, but he's been so out of the
0: spotlight. I mean, he's been inactive, what, every week except for, what, three, four? He, he hasn't contributed. Right. He's Look, it's the best comeback of all time. But as far as helping your team. Correct. There are far more worthy
1: candidates. You can give it to Baker Mayfield, right? I mean, Baker Mayfield's a pretty good story. If they find themselves in the postseason, mm-hmm. Joe Flacco is certainly a great story as well. But, man, that offensive line. And, and Cleveland, Cleveland's legit. That's The that yeah. defense is really, really good. I, I'm with Perino on that one. And I might not be as optimistic about Sunday night as he is, but some really great points there from Matt Perino covering the bills for the Syracuse Post Standard. You can join us on the Good Smoke Barbecue and Pub Wingman line. 8664 FAN is our phone number. eight six Award winning barbecue from Good Smoke Barbecue and Pub. The new location at 135 West Commercial Street in East Rochester. GoodSmokeBBQ.com. We'll get to some takes on tap next with Aldrin Drink to That.
0: Yeah, I've got some thoughts here on uh, what we experienced from the NFL in terms of scheduling on Christmas. Oh, we're not going to do that next year. It's on a- Wednesday. Okay, I'll present to you my plan on this. Also, Syracuse basketball take here. While they're more entertaining, it doesn't feel like the Bayheim era carried over here. I, I like what I saw. They are fatally flawed. Mm. Okay, there's nothing Nothing's going to fix this team. This team is doomed in the end. They're going to be fun to watch, but they're doomed and I'll explain. Um, I, I had so much fun
1: uh, as the year wrapped up uh, compiling lists of Francesa's Now, if you're new to the show, you hear us use Francesa as a verb. Um, What's a Francesa? A Francesa is something that you just over. You you don't care about it, or you're blissfully ignorant or oblivious to, and it stems from the GOAT, from Mike Francesa when he was back on WFAN, uh, finding out that uh, Spider-Man creator Stan Lee passed away.
0: Eddie in Hoboken. What's up, Eddie? Hey, what's up, Mike? What's Hey, Mike, Stan Lee died today. Did you ever meet the guy? What do you think of him?
1: Stan Lee.
3: Yeah, Stan Lee. You I don't know who he Stan is.
0: I don't know who he is now. Jesus. Who is he? Who is he? Who is Stan Lee? He was one of the creators of Marvel Comics. Oh, who cares? I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not a comic book guy. Is that, what, is that who he is, Stan Lee? The guy he created who, Spider-Man. That was his uh, big name. created thing. Spider-Man? Sorry. I never was a comic book reader as a kid. I apologize. Never. So he's apologizing for not reading comic books, not for like, hey, your family might be listening. Oh, he died. Oh, who cares? Right. He died. Yeah. Oh. And
1: Eddie from Hoboken is also deserves a lot of credit for that bit of audio as well. His reaction. <laughs> Jesus. Just priceless. <laughs> oh, who cares? So with that in mind, I have compiled the list of my weekend Francesa's here. It's, Ooh, a, it's, it's a Tuesday, but it feels like a Monday.
0: Well, it's, it's a long, long weekend. That was uh what? 10 or 12 uh, day well, weekend. It's what funny you at? brought that
1: up because I also have a take on the week between Christmas and new year's that I'll share next okay. as well. Uh, we've got uh Amherst head coach, uh, Seth Appert joining us uh, at 5.45 during last call. Call And we, we do have time for your calls as well at 866-4FAN. More next in the Sports Bar. Danger and Bataglia, the fan Rochester. Odyssey has sports for every fan. Keep up with your favorite teams from across the country and get the inside scoop from experts. A-U-D-A-C-Y.
0: Odyssey.
2: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.